You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. Thanks for joining us for our study of six of the Psalms of Ascent from the Old Testament. I want to invite you to grab your Bible and get ready to open God's Word together. Hey, good morning, Harvest family. Hi. All right. You might, you might notice our small army of students over here. I love them a lot. They're great. Also, a small army of, of young adults right here. These are my people. Uh, my name is Larry Geisler. I get to serve the students and young adults ministries here um, at Harvest Rolling Meadows. It's been a great privilege. It's crazy. It's been almost a year and a half since I um, shipped over to Chicago to be here, and it's just been a huge, huge blessing in my life. So it is, it is great to be with you this morning. Um, I'm really, really excited. We're going to be in Psalm 128, so you can open up there right now, Psalm 128. But Something that's been catching my attention recently um, is uh, people keep saying they're going back to school. Is that true? Like next week? That is, that is crazy to me. Does anybody have kids who are going back to school next week? Yeah, that, that's blowing my mind. I'm like, where, where did this summer actually go? Um, because you guys now have to think about like schoolwork and stuff like that. That's, that's not fun. And it actually got me thinking about, okay, back in when I was in school, what was, what was that like for me? Um, and I remember specifically, right after I, I graduated high school, I went to one semester at, at Bucks County Community College in Pennsylvania. And let me tell you, I really was not excited to be there. Um, I really wanted to go to Liberty University. And I knew, I was like, okay, if I just get my grades right, if I just apply myself, um, I'll be able to go to Liberty University in Virginia next semester and actually have a good time. Uh, because at this point in my life, um, I had built up a little bit of, of a reputation of being a procrastinator. Anybody else procrastinators in the church? Thank you. It's okay. We can admit these things. Um, but I was, I, I'm still a little bit of a procrastinator, but I, the Lord has done a good, good work in me. But at this point, I, I did not know how to do things when I was supposed to do them. And, and so it, in this semester of being at Bucks County Community College, I... I had this one class, and I I genuinely think it is the only class I've ever had that I I left it at the end and don't think I learned anything Um, because I did not apply myself. It was like, I think it was a history class. It might have been American history. It might have been world history. I don't don't entirely remember, to be honest with you. Um, But somehow, so like when you're in these classes, right, the whole point is that you, you like, you do schoolwork. And you get, you get grades for the work that you're doing. And somehow I managed to come to this class three days a week, sit down at a desk, listen to this guy teach for an hour, and say, okay, I need you to write a paper on this topic, and, and would manage to leave, go home, come back day after day, and not do any of those things that he was, he was telling us to do. I, I, just, I just didn't write the papers. And I thought I was going to pass. I... I don't quite know what was, what was going through my brain. Um, and so, uh, next thing you know, it's the end of the semester. Um, you have to pass the class if you want to move on with your life. And you have no grades. <laughs> this is where I was. I had no grades. I'm like, well, I have to get these papers in. Even if I turn them in late, like maybe my professor will have mercy on me. Maybe he will give me something for them. But then I quickly realized I actually don't even have time to write all of these before the end of the semester. And so I went into panic mode. 
Like, I gotta figure out a way to make sure I'm not held back, that my life does not end right here before I even get to go to the college I want to. And so I was like, well, there's other people who know about this stuff, about history. Let me go see what they have to say. I'm like, they say some really good stuff about this. Maybe I should just put what they said into my paper. And, um, well, that looks good. Copy and paste and copy and paste. I know. And you are completely justified in looking at me with pure horror right now because I basically like plagiarized like a few, a few papers and submitted them in at the end of the semester. Horrible, horrible thing. But sure enough, like I just moved on with my life. I, I was just like, I did what I needed to do to make sure I wasn't set back. I did what I, what I felt was necessary to take care of myself. I wasn't trying to hurt myself. I wasn't trying to ruin my life. I was trying to make my life better by doing this. What I did not realize um, is that I was making a choice that probably hurt me a little more than I realized. Like, I chose the thing that, that deep down I knew was wrong because I thought it would play out well for me. And sure, it all worked out, but when we make these, these sinful decisions in our own best interest, trying to take, take care of ourselves, we're teaching ourselves a lesson about our lives and the way that things work. And it's that I have it under control. Like, I can, I can manipulate my circumstances, and I can, I can make certain decisions and cheat things a little bit and know that I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be taken care of because I'm doing a good job of it. So it can't really be that big of a deal if it didn't all fly off the rails. It, it's just like, it's just a little plagiarism. It's just a little cheat on the test. It's just a little cheat on taxes or financial dishonesty or a little lie to my family or to my boss. It can't be that big of a deal. But this kind of perspective that so often we get, it leaves us completely devoid of any fear of the Lord. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Where you've had to make a difficult decision and probably made the wrong one. Because this situation you found yourself in is just so frightening, is so scary. I feel like there's no way out. I have to do what I have to do. What we're going to see today is you don't. You don't have to take things into your own hands. Especially if we have a healthy fear of who our God actually is. Like, would our lives actually be better if we trusted God completely and walked in his ways? And we trusted him in all of our decisions? Would he actually take care of us? And that's the message of Psalm 128 today. So we're going to dig in right here to Psalm 128. And here's what we're calling this message. It is the fearfully blessed life. And here's where that comes from. There's two things that we're going to pull out of this 
this psalm, and they're deeply connected. The first is the fear of the Lord in my life, and the second is the Lord's favor or the Lord's blessing in my life. And so we're going to dive into the word, Psalm 128, starting at verse 1. Let's read this. It says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. And so first thing we're going to dive into is the fear of the Lord in my life. What is that? We talk about this all the time. Well, it sounds like a bad thing. Any other context where you talk about being afraid of something, it's not good for you. Well, here you have blessing and fear of the Lord are connected. So it has to be, it has to be good. It's a good thing. It says, if I do this, if I fear the Lord, it will go well with me. I don't, even, I don't even know what that means, what they're talking about, it's gonna, but I, it sounds good. I want it to go well with me. Who doesn't want it to go well with them? So I want that. And if fear of the Lord is how I get there, that's, I want to lean into that. But we, we need to understand then, what's this fear of God? What does that mean? Because if we understand a fear of God wrongly, if we have a misunderstanding of what that is, we're going to follow him wrongly. And we're not going to experience this kind of blessing or this kind of favor that he's talking about. We might want to understand what this is first. So what exactly is it? What is this fear of God? Well, many people, I'm sure so many of you who have been a part of the church for a long time have heard this. Um, it's a biblical way of saying respect. Fear of the Lord is respect for the Lord. And that is not wrong. We should respect God. But it, can it be just that? Is that really what this means here? Because I, I might have an issue with that because I respect a lot of people. Like there are, there are people in this room that I expect. There are celebrities that I respect. Like um, one of my, actually my favorite baseball player of all time, they're doing a huge documentary about him right now on ESPN, Derek Jeter. Dude is a absolute legend. I'm sorry, I am a Yankees fan. If there are any of you in the room, please come see me afterwards. I'd love to just celebrate with you. Um, but I love Derek Jeter and I respect him a whole lot. I think what he did as in 20 years of playing baseball is incredible. I think the way that he carried himself as a professional baseball player is incredible. Am I going to walk in the ways of Derek Jeter? Like it says here, fear the Lord and walk in his ways. Well, I, I can't do what Derek Jeter does. I'm not gonna walk in his ways and, and model my life after him. Or somebody else we would probably have a lot of um, respect for, Elon Musk. This guy's like thinking 200 years into the future. Like you have to respect the guy for what he's doing. He's a, he's a genius. I'm not though going to walk in the ways of Elon Musk. This does not, it doesn't make sense for me to do that. I can't do the things that he does. I can't replicate anything like that. 
And so what, it, what is this fear of God then? If it's not just respect, why is it different? Well, Derek Jeter can do some things, and Elon Musk can do some things, but what can God do? What are the things that God, the God of the universe can do that sets him apart from these people? Well, maybe he could just speak the entire world into existence like that. Maybe he could part an entire sea and hold it in place for as long as he desires. Maybe he can bring somebody back from the dead. So many things that is unique to the power of God, the God of the universe. There's things that only he can do. The power that he has is so other than anything we've seen on this earth, it's hard to comprehend sometimes. It's hard for us to really see him for who he is because we're stuck in our, our little worldly experiences, the amazing things that we've seen on this earth, but he's other than that. He's bigger than that. And so this God, who can do all of these things, what if... I somehow ended up on his bad side. Like I'm on God's naughty list. What, what happens then? That, that might leave us a little bit frightened. That might leave us pretty afraid that the God who's responsible for the breath in my lungs and responsible for where I'm gonna spend my eternity that I would be his enemy? I don't, I don't think it could get really any worse than that. I think that's about as bad as we can have it. And so if I am on God's bad side, nothing that I do is ever going to matter. I, I am in for it. I am, I'm in for destruction. This is, that would strike fear right into your soul. Well, then why would the psalmist here talk about this fear of God like it's a good thing? Why would that be good for you? Well, it's, it's good for you if, if you're on his, his side. So let's, re let's read actually this, this prophecy about Jesus of his perspective of the fear of the Lord. It's Isaiah 11, one through three. I'll just read this real quick. It says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. This is Jesus. Jesus, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and his delight, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, his delight is in the fear of the Lord. If Jesus delighted in this fear of his Father in heaven, should we also do the same? Should we also be able to delight in a healthy fear of who God actually is? And why would we do that? Well, something I thought about, one of the most iconic characters of all time 
really changed the scene of movies and media and entertainment, Superman. Yes, I got a big yes, Superman. Superman was like the first big awesome superhero. When the idea of Superman came on the scene, there was, there was nothing like it. This idea is so attractive of, oh my goodness, this is a person who can do anything. This is a person who cannot be stopped. Superman is like nobody else. No one can do what he does. I, I want to know Superman. I'm excited that Superman is going to like watch out for me and protect me. And, and the, the main theme in all like Superman entertainment, whether it's comic books or it's uh, movies or TV shows, is people who love Superman because they know Superman is awesome. He saves us. He takes care of us. He watches over us. And then there's the other people who are like, Superman scares me. How could anybody have this much power? How could we trust anyone who's able to do all of these things? What if they used it to hurt me? What if they used it against me? And, and the perspective is all, do I think Superman is taking care of me? Or do I think Superman is going to hurt me? I'd say the God of the universe can maybe do a little bit more than Superman. Yeah. And so him, our God, if he's not just the God of the universe, but like Jesus, he is your father in heaven a good father who knows exactly how to care for you, would you run from him because of the power he has? Would you try to get away from him because the things that he, he can do scares you? Well, no, if he is your father, you're going to run to him with everything that you have. Like, I want this God on my side, and this is available to every single person in the room if you would only put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That you can have the God of the universe on your side. You know that the same power that created everything, that raised people from the dead, that has done the impossible, is fighting for you. And so I want to come back to this idea of how do we how do we fear the, the Lord and walk in his ways? But now we get to, to see what does this psalmist say about the favor of the Lord in my life? So here's, here's what's coming for those people who fear the Lord, who walk in his, laves, his ways, who give their life to Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And may you see your children's children in peace 
be upon Israel. And so again, this is a little bit of a theme in the Psalms. We saw it last week. We see it again. This is these farming analogies. Um, I get really confused by them. I'm not a farmer. I don't actually know how to grow anything. I've like, got like one plant in my apartment right now. It's probably going to die. Um, but we've got these, these analogies of, of a vine and, and these olive shoots. And so a fruitful vine, being a wife, is, is one that's going to bear children. One that in these many olive shoots is saying, the blessing is that you will have all of these children. And this is speaking to the person who is in, in ancient Israel. And their entire livelihood, their entire well-being is based on the fact, are they going to have people who are going to be able to take care of the land, cultivate the land that they have, and take care of them when they are older. And the people who do that are your family. And so if you don't have kids, your future looks like a disaster. Your future looks like there's no way I could even survive. For us, kids are, are a blessing, a huge, huge blessing. And if I, if I never had kids, I would be very, very sad. I, I, would, I would probably be deeply sad for a long time. I would probably wrestle with that for the rest of my life in, in, in a sense. And we should. But for these families, it, it's different. For these families, it's, it's, this is not just... I feel like I'm, I'm missing out on something good. This is my, my entire future is uncertain. The only way I'm going to be taken care of is if I have children. Is if they're able to take care of me. And they know it's completely out of their control. They can't manufacture children, it is completely up to the grace of God to give them what they need to take care of the rest of their life. And so this is why the psalmist ends with, may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all your days, may you see your children's children, because if things are going well with you, like he says at the beginning, You'll be blessed and it will go well with you. If it's going well with you, you'll have the children you need to take care of you. And there will be prosperity in your land because your children will cultivate the land. This isn't the same for us. What What do we trust for our future to take care of us? We trust things like retirement funds. We trust things like social security to take care of us. They're not, they're not the same. We have these lists of things that we've come up with that we truly believe are going to take care of us in our future. We feel like ultimately, yeah, I, I kind of have set myself up well so that my future will go well. And so we hear this, we're like, Yes, amen, God is going to take care of me. Like God took care of these Israelites. God's going to take care of me. It's going to be awesome. But 
the psalmist, he sneaks in a little like condition here. Verses one and four. He's like, it's not as simple as God's just gonna, just gonna give you this stuff. He says, it will go well with you if you fear the Lord and walk in his ways. At the beginning, may the blessed is the man who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. And then he lays out, look, you're going to have children. Your future is going to be take, taken care of. And then verse 4, it's like, if, again, behold, thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. It's these like little parentheses around the favor of God. We have to fear him. We have to walk with him. And so we would say, yeah, like I, I do this. I'm a Christian. So God's going to take care of me. But, but do we really walk in his ways all of the time? Do we really express a healthy fear of God over anything else all of the time? I know I do not as evidenced by my, my horrible plagiarism story. I, we don't do this. So what does it mean for me then to walk in the ways of the Lord? How do I do this? Well, in, in the Old Testament, what the Israelites were faced with, it's, it's the laws. It's the laws of the Lord that he's given them. 600 and something laws. And in the New Testament, under the, the new covenant of Jesus Christ, um, what he says is the whole law and the prophets are summed up in this. In, in Matthew, he says, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. That that's it. And we say, wow, that's nice. That's like so much better than 600 or something rules to follow. They're not, that's not easy to love, your, love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Meaning that there's nothing we love more than him. And there's nothing we fear more than him. But our fear, our negative kinds of fears of other things in this world. Fear of my, finan my financial future. Fear of losing my job. Fear of um, broken relationships. Fear of what people are going to think of me. You can name any single fear that you've ever had. There's these negative fears that compete with our ultimate fear of the Lord. And when these fears take root and these fears take control, our love and our fear of God doesn't drive our actions anymore. He's not determining the way that we walk and the way that we live our lives. Our fear is. Our fears of the world. Our fears of earthly things. Why else would we do some of the things that we do? Why else would we do things like, like cheat taxes? Why else would we lie to a boss and try to cover up a mistake we've made? Why else would we lie to a family member and try to cover up something that we know is going to hurt them? Why would we neglect to engage in a gospel conversation with an unbelieving person or family member? Because we are afraid. 
And when we're afraid, we go into this self-preservation mode of like, I need to take care of myself. I need to make sure that I'm safe and that I'm secure. But we are all going to be undoubtedly faced with these situations that put us in that, that place where you have to make a decision. Right here, I have to make a moral decision. Am I going to make a sinful decision to take care of myself, or am I going to make a God-honoring, God-fearing decision and walk in his ways and believe that he's going to take care of me? Things like financial pressures. If I think I'm going to lose my house... Do I find ways to get around it with financial dishonesty that I can cut corners and, and, and keep it under my control and in my grasp? Or when my future depends on this little test that I have to take, if, if I want to be a nurse, I have to pass this test. Or if I want to be a doctor, I need to pass this test. And if I fail it, my whole future is gone. It's done for. And so... Do I find ways to cut corners and, and cheat on this test? Or I, do I just trust that God is actually going to take care of me? There's so many of these things where we're faced with decisions and we don't even realize we're, we're trying to control them ourselves. We don't trust that God's going to take care of us. So this is the one option. Take things in, into my own hands or... I could do what, what the psalmist is, is telling us to do. I, I could ask myself, do I know that the God of the universe is going to care for me no matter my circumstances? That, that if I would only trust him above everything else and I would choose to walk in his ways, I know because he told me it's going to go well with me. I don't need to know what that looks like. I don't need to compare it to how it's going well with somebody else. I just need to know that the God of the universe said he's going to take care of me. That's what I put my faith in. That's my healthy fear of the Lord. And so these situations, they force us into this place where we're going to find out one way or another where our fear actually is. I think of it this way. Um, I love roller coasters. Anybody else? I know some of you guys love Six Flags. We do that a lot. Roller coasters. Yeah. Um, I love roller coasters. So I don't know if any of you are in the same boat, but I want you to think of the craziest, tallest, fastest, most terrifying roller coaster you've ever seen in your life. Um, because they are terrifying. I mean, if something goes wrong on those things, you're, you're doomed. Um, but you walk up to this intimidating beast of a roller coaster. And, and you get in the line and, and you're like scared kind of the whole time getting up there. And you finally get to the front and you look at the seat you're about to sit in. And you're like, like checking it out a little bit. Like, excuse me, sir, where's the, that harness thing that's supposed to, or like a seatbelt or something that's supposed to keep me in here? I don't see one. And he's like, oh, no, you have to like, you have to strap yourself in. Like you have to hold on, you have to hold on yourself. And he gives you like a little like string of yarn and, and you have to like 
tie your, like somehow magically tie some knots to keep you in this crazy ride of a roller coaster that's going to get you to the end. If I'm in that position, I'm, I'm going to be freaking out. I'm going to be losing my mind. I know I'm not getting to the end. There is no way that this yarn can, can deal with 100 mile per hour speeds and turning and flipping upside down. It, can't, it cannot happen. So second, second scenario is, is we do the same thing. We wait in line for roller coaster and you get to, you get to the front. And you're like, oh, it, good. That, it has a harness. That's, that, that's good. Because they made the harness to, to protect, protect us. And uh, we say, you know what? That's okay. I appreciate that, that you have this. Um, but like I'm good at tying knots and I'm like good with, with some yarn. So I'm gonna, I'll, take this, I'll take this one for myself and I'll strap myself in with my, my yarn and I, I'll be safe. I'm sure I'll be safe. But then you start going and you're freaking out again. You don't think that you're going to make it. And sure enough, you get flung off the rails. Is this not what we do when we look directly into our life circumstance and we see what God has, has laid out before us of this is the best thing for you to just make the decision that honors me, that you would fear me above anything in your life and you would trust that it's going to go well with you. And if God's ways... And God's direction in your life is the security that you need. Are you not going to have fun? If you never had to think about if I'm going to fly off the rails. If I never had to think about it depends on me to get me to the end of this thing. I can have way more fun on this ride. And I know without a shadow of a doubt I'm getting to the end because this is designed to keep me safe. This is designed to keep me secure. So why wouldn't we trust the one who created us? Why wouldn't we trust the one who knows how to get us where we're going? The one who loves you so dearly and so personally that he will never allow you to be separated from him. Well, because sometimes the problems we're faced with, they just seem a little too big. It seems like there's too much going on here. Well, then I just have to ask us, who then is your God? Because if you have a small God, the problems in your life seem big. They seem unmanageable. They seem impossible. Because you don't know if he can actually do anything about it. You don't know if he can actually take care of you. But what if you, what if you had a big God? What if your God could do all things? What if he could never be stopped? What would you do if that was your God? if nothing was ever too big for him to handle? 
Well, here's a few examples of people in Scripture who knew who their God was, who had seen him do miraculous things before, and said, this same God is going to do miraculous things again, and he is going to take care of me. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. This is the Israelites. They're getting ready to step into the promised land, but they're stepping into one of the most powerful regions in the world. They're going to Jericho, where there are strong warriors, and there are huge fortresses keeping them out. How on earth, God, are you going to help us take that? This doesn't make sense. We're going to die. Well, here's, here's their command. Here's what they hold on to as they go in. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. If you fully obey the Lord your God... And carefully follow all his commands I give you today. The Lord your God will set you high above the nations on earth. All of these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And then it lists all these blessings that will come to them in verse 13. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. And so these people who have seen God move in their life before, kind of like a lot of us here, say, I know this looks impossible. I know I'd rather go about this my own way, but God told us to do it this way. And so I'm going to march into Jericho with so much confidence that God is going to do what he says he will do. And he's going to give me the land he promised to, to give me. And so they march around the walls and sure enough, God, God breaks them down. They walk into Jericho without a scratch on them and see, wow, um, God really can do anything, and he is going to take care of me like he said he would. And if that's not enough, how about Abraham? God made a lot of promises to Abraham about his future. That, look, I will bless you, and I will make you a multitude of nations. That's a big promise, and until this point, he had, he had to hold on to hope that eventually God would give him a son and he tried so many things and took it into his own hands and it didn't work out. And then finally God gives him a son and he finds himself in this place, Genesis 20, 22, where God tells him to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And he's saying, God, this doesn't make sense. This, this could only hurt me. This could not be good. But what does he do? Genesis 22. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham, he built an altar there. He arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took a knife to slay his own son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And here I am, he replied. The angel said, do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear 
God. Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham is able to look at his situation and say, God, you you made promises to me. You told me you were going to take care of me. This doesn't look like it's going to take care of me. This looks like it's going to destroy everything that you've told me, but you told me to do it. And in Hebrews, it says that Abraham even had faith that God would bring his son Isaac back to life if he did have to sacrifice him. He had such a fear of God and such confidence in the words he said that he would take care of him that he was willing to do anything. And God did fulfill every promise made to Abraham. He did make him a multitude of nations. He did give him that land. God was true to his promises. So so what is a person who fears their God really willing to do? Somebody who really knows who their God is. What are they willing to do? They're willing to do crazy, bold things. They're willing to do things that don't make sense. Even when it looks like our situation is impossible, even when it seems like there's no way out, even when it seems like the only option is for me to take care of it myself because I know how to manipulate the situation, I know how to work this out, even when those thoughts are coming to our head, we trust that our God is for us and he will take care of us and he can do all things. So do you believe that your God can do all things? Do you believe that the God of the universe, your Father in heaven, is going to take care of you no matter what comes? No matter what you might be feeling? So can we let go of trying to control our lives? Can we let go of trying to secure our future for ourselves And know that our Father in heaven is doing that for us. He's doing it right now. Can we trust him with everything? And so today, I believe we can be so confident in the fact that God can do anything and will do anything for you because you are his beloved child. He will do anything to keep us secure in the future he has for us. And he will care for us until the very end when he calls us home. So we can live more freely. We can live more joyfully. Because we know that God will take care of us if we fear him and we walk in his ways. Let me pray for us. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. Um, God, we know nothing we could ever do um, will allow us to earn um, the amazing blessings you've given us. 
God, you can do anything. And God, you've worked miracles in our own lives of drawing us to who you are. God, there's no way we would be able to live for you apart from your Holy Spirit doing a good work in our hearts, drawing us to see who you are. So God, we come to you with such gratitude that yes, you're a God of of all power. You're a God who can do anything, but God, you're you're a God who's loved us, who gave your son for us. And so, Lord, would you help us to look at the things that we've seen you do and trust that you'll do it again? God, we don't have to make decisions based on what we think is going to play out well, how we think we can control our future, but God, you've got it all prepared. And God, would you help us to live free? Would you help us to live joyfully knowing that we are so secure in walking the ways you've set before us? We don't ever have to doubt if you're going to be good. We don't ever have to doubt if you're going to take care of us. We know that you're true to your promises. We know that you're present with us and that your Holy Spirit is working in us, making us more like your son Jesus every single day. So God, we love you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. For more information and how to get connected to one of our campuses, go to harvestbible.org. Tune in again next week for another edition of the Harvest Bible Chapel podcast.